Father, this morning we just come to you. Almighty God, eternal word, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Everything, Lord, was created by you, for you, through you. And as we are seated in thy house today and as we offer our bodies by faith as living sacrifices, I pray you touch our ears, touch our minds, help us to focus, help us, Lord. Our minds drift, our minds wander. So today by faith we offer our minds, O Lord, help us to be focused. Help us not to miss what you are teaching us. Because not only our life on earth, but our eternal destiny will be determined by your word. And how we heard your word. Speak to us. Let your light come in. Let your light go into the deepest, most parts of our soul, dispelling the darkness. That is hidden even from our own eyes. Only your word can do it. For it is a two-edged sword. More powerful than a two-edged sword, Lord. Cut deep. Cut clean. And heal us. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you were there for the wedding yesterday? Show me your hands. Shrikar Prasanna, you don't have to show. We know you were there. <laughs> show me once again. Okay, be careful, okay? Let me see how many of you heard the message. <laughs> you know, yesterday at the wedding, I mean, after the wedding actually, you know, after the wedding is when See, there were so many people from different, different backgrounds, different churches, different denominations, all denominations were there. But the most, the excitable group, interestingly, were the pastors, a lot of them, and those who came from Chennai, from the, and, uh, you listen to their feedback about the word. But the, the, the most interesting part was, uh, you know the gentleman, uh, the professor who prayed over Shrikar and uh, Prasanna at the end? Now he's a professor at IIT Chennai, so you know. You know because people always think believers are fools. They don't realize believers are brilliantly placed by God. You, know? you have to understand that. You know? That gentleman was sharing a testimony, which is very interesting because, you know, you you pray, you preach about God preparing a person and placing a person. A prepared person is placed in a prepared place. He said he applied straight away for the post of professor in IIT Chennai. And he has no work experience. And if you know central universities and IITs, it's not easy to get into these places. It's almost impossible to get into these places unless your resume is like... Unbelievable. The only qualification he actually met for professorship that he was 40 years old. But they accepted his application, called him for the interview. And before he was going for the interview, the person sitting over there asked, what is your experience? She said, he said, I have no experience. They said, then 
how did they accept your application but said anyway you go for the interview when he went for the interview the first question that was asked what is your experience okay. what is your experience okay now in the board of people who were interviewing him there was one person who is the direct representative in that board from the president of india because you know institutes have their chancellor has the president or the governor and all the representative of the president of india was there in the interview board and he used said and he opened his mouth and said it doesn't matter i have heard him speak and in that committee he is the only person who has the authority to overrule experience and he's a professor in iit you need to understand when god places people and he opens doors nobody can shut it absolutely nobody can shut it nobody can shut it you need to believe you need to believe i just put that as a very powerful experience for me like hearing yesterday you know because we always look for you no know, we always think that what does it mean in our weakness his strength is manifested that was his weakness and that was the weakness that was highlighted that's where the strength of god comes in so this morning we go to familiar topics but you probably will learn new things we go to hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him say impossible you know what impossible means right it means just that impossible without faith it is impossible to please god let's let's think everybody sitting here their body functions are normal the taste buds are normal somebody made a wonderful dish and it smells so good it's so appetizing and everybody everybody takes the first spoon and then puts it down and says you forgot to put salt that one ingredient missing ingredient missing can mess up everything else there is with god there is one thing that ingredient you cannot expect anything from god do anything with god walk with god live for god work for god you cannot do anything if you want to attach god to it a god has to attach you to his work without faith it is impossible you may pray regularly more regular than daniel and longer than elijah but if you don't bring faith in your prayer will have no effect prayer without faith does not please god you may seek holiness rigorously than the ancient sadhus but if you don't bring faith in it will have no effect you may hunger and thirst for righteousness but if you don't bring faith in 
you still remain crooked in your ways you may bring you may be a very loving person but love without faith still does not please god you name it faith is the key if faith is missing god's power is missing god's power is missing okay that's why we come for the hearing of the word we spend even for a wedding every wedding of ours you realize every wedding of ours and sometimes people who are not used to it get starts like moving in their chairs because they have never been able to digest more than 5 or 10 minutes okay but we know every wedding every occasion is an opportunity for build faith up that's the whole idea so if you were there yesterday i hope you listened god has got a solution he's got an answer to everything everybody is facing here anything you are facing and everything you and i are facing god has got an answer but the answer is found only in jesus christ it is only found in jesus in second peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 scripture says his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life everything each one needs for life here and eternity that is godliness how through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue without the knowledge of him we are missing out on the actual day to day presence and power and provision of god we need for everything everything pertaining to life whatever area of your life you are struggling with the knowledge of him the knowledge of god's own son jesus christ the living word that is where the power comes in that is where which by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature that is the key god's nature you look at the most powerful successful man who walked on earth was jesus christ never overcome defeated sin defeated the world and defeated the powers of darkness and god says through my son i want to give you his nature partakers of his nature and you can overcome but the key is faith that faith it is impossible to please god if you were there yesterday you you would have seen god's answer is twofold redemption and restoration he cannot restore without redeeming see our problem is you may go to a church or a meeting looking for restoration without being redeemed and the word of god does not seems to be make much sense to you because the word of god is first spoken to the ones who are looking for redemption that's why jesus will leave the crowds who are after the miracles and still keep on going to places to teach because redemption comes before restoration 
So in Luke 2 and verse 38, talking about Jesus the baby brought, and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Anna, the prophetess, could only speak to those in the temple who were looking for redemption. The others won't accept that word, are not interested. It's redemption that comes first. Redemption of our soul. Redemption of our body. Because these are the two areas we struggle with. Either we have ailments in our body or our body has other issues. Or our issues with our soul. Anxiety, worry, anger, lust, wrath, you name it. Our soul and our body, these are the two things. And God has redemption for both. And it's only in Christ. In Romans 3 and verse 24, scripture saying, we are justified freely by his grace. That is his divine power. Peter was talking about his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Only in Christ Jesus. Redemption is there only in Christ. That's why religions can never set people free. They can bring a level of discipline into your life, but they don't have the power to set you free. Because to be free, first you need to be redeemed. Before restoration can take place, you and I have to be redeemed. So in Christ alone, there is redemption. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, scripture says, in him we have redemption. How? Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. That's the power of his Holy Spirit. Through grace, we receive redemption. We we have forgiveness. And every single miracle Jesus did while walking on earth and the apostles still today, every miracle actually is a symbol, is a sign of redemption. When he walks into Cana, a wedding, and the wine has run out, and he brings, uh, does a miracle over there, and the steward says, this wine is the best. He's showing us the redemption of our soul, that if Jesus redeems us, our latter end will be greater than our former. The joy that we'll actually experience will be always greater than the previous. The redemption, it's a symbol. Because wine is a symbol of joy. In the old covenant. And God is showing that every miracle was a symbol. That our there is redemption. There is redemption. There is redemption. When the leper is being cleansed. When the blind are seeing. The lame are walking. The dead are raised back to life. Everywhere it is showing the redemption of the soul. Or the redemption of the body. There is a redemption for the body. In Romans 8 and verse 23, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. There is a day when this body will be redeemed. Meaning, this body will be replaced with a new body. Where you won't have sight problems. Ear problems, sinus problems, high karam, low karam, it won't affect the tongue. Because that body will be new. Absolutely new. That's what post-resurrection he showed them. He says, this new body is faster than light or internet. From heaven to the room in an instant and goes. 
the new body and all those who have the first fruits of the spirit they actually are groaning that's the difference you see people believers who are caught in the carnal are forever caught in the physical while those whose eyes have really been opened are groaning to be released from this body our soul should be could be so darkened so darkened that we are not able to see the darkness in our soul and we stand before a mirror upset for 2 hours because of a pimple on our nose that's what people do i believe more christians spend more time before the mirror than with before god's word because they are not able to see the darkness of their souls the redemption the price that is paid the value of the soul while this body scripture says this body will go nobody is going to take their body with you soul yes to heaven or hell body no the redemption of this body is for another day but every miracle he did was a symbol a sign for your body too there is redemption you will receive sight which will never fade you will receive hearing which will never be affected you will be cleansed of your leprosy that you will be clothed in righteousness you who are lame who will walk he will say you will walk with god one day everything was a symbol of the redemption of the body and the soul that is coming that is why scripture says when we see all jesus said prophetically happening we see it unfolding before our eyes in this age above any other age because now you can sit on your and watch it on your mobile anywhere happening floods in japan the most what do you call technologically advanced nation ravaged by floods still today 3740 dead thai cave live one set of young kids and the coach is stuck in the cave for days and days and days they are running out of time we are sitting there and watching it all earthquakes floods storms political chaos all around but scripture says those of you who are redeemed and are being restored you should know in your spirit in luke 21 he says when these things begin to happen look up and lift up your heads because your redemption knows near first he redeems only that he redeems does he restore because he cannot restore what he hasn't redeemed i will explain the difference and the nature of the work if redemption is primarily the work of jesus christ through the work on the cross through the shedding of his blood restoration is the work of the spirit of jesus christ the holy spirit okay jesus redeems us and jesus through the holy spirit now restores those who are redeemed who's the one who's redeeming us now so restoring us now the holy spirit that's why the warning in ephesians 4 the apostle will say do not grieve the holy spirit don't grieve him because through him by him you were sealed to the day of redemption there is a day of redemption when your body and your soul everything will be redeemed when you will be set free 
but through him don't grieve him because when that day comes allow him to complete the work of restoration don't grieve the holy spirit that's what thessalonians we have seen it so many times he is able to sanctify us completely spirit soul and body at the appearance of jesus christ restoration is the work of the holy spirit and scripture is very clear do not do not be careful do not grieve the holy spirit in ephesians 1 and verse 14 who is the holy spirit he is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory one day we will be redeemed completely our body also will be redeemed our soul everything until then there is a guarantee down payment we call it in english the down payment you know what is that that is the holy spirit don't grieve him because he is the one who does the work of of redemption and sorry restoration i'll just give you a little bit of parts of yesterday's message and then continue to today's let me explain to the kids who are sitting over here because sometimes you worry what you you struggle with what does redeem mean okay let us imagine you go to this antique shop no antique shop no where you sells where you find old things there are a couple of shops in hyderabad too and you go and you see and you see sense it this is very valuable old but very valuable now you buy it's damaged but you know because of when it was made and who made it it is let's say a painting who made it when it was made is very valuable so you pay a high price for this painting which is damaged and you redeem it it was lost you found it you redeem it that's what christ did with all of us we belong to god we walked away from god we were lost but god saw our value he paid through the blood of his son we received forgiveness and he has redeemed us now you have this painting before you the problem is the painting is very badly damaged it has to be restored to the way it was in the beginning so let us say it this painting was made in 1800 at that time another artist had made a original copy so what do you need to restore it you need to look at that original copy and keep on cleaning it up and restoring it that's what we were looking at yesterday if you want to restore something that is redeemed you need the original in the new covenant the original is Jesus Christ that's what Romans 8 and verse 29 is talking about for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son the holy spirit is doing the work of restoration in every believer's life what is he doing he looks at my life and he looks at Jesus Christ and he starts allowing situations into my life okay good bad terrible situations why to allow these situations to shape me 
according to the image of Jesus Christ. Now we all know Romans 8.29. We also know Romans 8.28. What does scripture says? For all things work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus and are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? To be conformed to the image of his son. So all things are working together. And we know we studied in the church the example of Joseph thrown into the well by the brothers, stripped naked, sold as a slave, Potiphar's palace, prison. We look at it all. But all these things are working in Joseph's life because God was conforming him to the image of his son. Let me explain to you. Restoration is easy with the thing. Okay, you you don't understand paintings because you don't like paintings. So let me tell you something, okay? You buy, you, you see on the ad, car for sale, ha, only 50,000. You go and you look at it and you see it's got 250 dents. The seat cover is falling off. Two of the three, four tires are flat, but the engine is good. And if you're smart, you need to realize Engine is the only thing that matters. Single, honor, driven. Okay? Good one. Good vehicle. So you buy it, you redeem it, you buy it, and then you give it to the workshop to restore it. That fellow was banging, tang, 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 tang. Does that car feel anything? He takes the tire and... Opens, you know how rough they are with all this thing. There are the tires. Say, please don't do it. It's not hurting me, you know. See, to restore a thing is painless. To restore a living being, it's not easy. It's very painful. I'll tell you the example. A lot of parents sitting over here. Let's say Vijay is, Pastor Vijay is two little ones, Abigail or Amy. Let's say Abigail is ill. High fever, not going. And she's in hospital. The doctor says she needs injection. If she takes this course of injections for three days, five days, she will be restored back to health. And you tell me, how easy it is to give a child an injection? You need three people to hold them down first. And if you are in the U.S., you have to charm them with a visit to the Disneyland before a shot will get in. Are you realizing how my restoration is so difficult? The child has to be restored to health. She needs an injection. But all she sees is the needle and the pain. The picture feels no pain. The picture does not fight. But we do. We do. That's why Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does it mean? Tie it down. Everything that God is doing in your life is good for you. It is painful. But the nurse in that white suit is not your enemy. She is your friend. And what she's holding in your hand also is not your enemy. It's, it's, it's to help you. The surgeon who cuts you open is not your enemy. He's your friend. But he knows he cannot cut you open. So he puts you to sleep. 
for a few hours. And you voluntarily surrender your body into his hands and as it comes and gives you a shot over here and you feel nothing. But in life, God gives you no anesthesia. Because if we are given anesthesia and then God allows these situations, those situations won't change us. It won't change us. So God says here, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer your bodies. That's why I say every Sunday, give me your ears. It's difficult. Yet it is not difficult. You are disciplined in your indiscipline because you can listen to carnal music for hours together, non-stop. And you have that option in your playlist also. It keeps on playing non-stop when you are falling asleep also. Or you can watch movies non-stop. Watch football non-stop. So it's not that you have an issue with focus. You have an issue with focus with things which are real and good. So offer your bodies first. So God can do the restoration. And then he tells something in your mind. Please don't be conformed to this world. Because then you are fighting him. Because God's Holy Spirit is trying to conform us to the image of Christ. And we are trying to be conformed to the image of the world. Which are like absolute opposites. Because the world is already judged. Sentence has already been passed. As far as the world is concerned, God has said, everything in this world which has not been redeemed will burn. So if I and you get conformed to the pattern of the world, we are already walking with judgment on our heads to be burned. God says, no, that is not your destiny. That was not meant for you. Conform to the image of my son because he is the redeemer. He is the successful one. He is the overcomer. And he who overcomes will inherit all in eternity. So conform to his image. Don't conform to the image of that is going to be destroyed with fire. Understand that. That's why scripture says heaven and earth will pass away. But not my. Understand. When you and I stand, we are not standing on earth. We are not standing even on heaven. We are standing on the word of God because even heavens will be destroyed by fire. Only the word will remain. And God says, stand on the word. Allow the Holy Spirit through the word to conform us to the image of his son. But we fight him all the way. We struggle with this process. That's why God took the children of Israel out of Egypt into the desert. We also do that. Secular people do that. They go in for two weeks Ayurveda treatment. Detoxify the body. And they come back very healthy. My mother goes every year, two weeks, and comes back. Entire diet is prescribed by them. Toxins are all removed. Loses weight. Massage. Everything comes back and walks around at 84. The problem is once you come back after detoxifying, you go back to the old toxins again. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. God is trying to bring these people. He brought them out into the wilderness to get Egypt, this world, out of them. He's not able They refuse. They refuse. They fought him every inch of the way. They refuse to believe. 
One ingredient was missing. What was that? Faith was missing. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 to 3. Therefore since a promise remains of entering into his rest. Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Talking about them. But the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith. Say mixed. Everything God did for them for 40 years, one thing they didn't do, they didn't mix it with faith. And because faith was missing, it did not matter what God did for them. They could not enter into the promised land. They all died in the wilderness without overcoming. If you don't mix faith, it will not profit. A lot of sadly Christians walk This walk through their entire life, never mixing faith. With what they heard. They heard through Moses. They heard through Aaron. They heard, they heard, they heard. But what they heard, they did not mix it with faith. What you hear, what I hear, what we hear from God. Question is, do we mix it with faith? We don't mix faith. Let's say today, Sunday morning. We came and we had worship. If we did not mix faith to our worship, we just had a musical experience. That's all. And you can see many were just having musical experience. Some were not even having a musical experience because body talks. You know why? Because there's no faith. If you don't mix faith to our worship, it doesn't do us any good. But so many people who sit like this in church, if they were going to go for a secular concert, they do, they do. When they come to church, they become a stoic. Greek philosopher. <laughs> if we don't mix faith to a worship, our worship has no meaning. I mean, I'm not saying that a different, you have to worship the way you are and then keep changing and become the way God is. But you worship. If you don't mix faith to prayer, our prayer is pointless. If you don't mix faith to our giving, Our giving was in vain. If I don't mix faith to what I am speaking, and if you are not mixing faith to what you are hearing, you're just wasting time. Faith. Let's look at Romans 10, 17. We know this verse very well, right? Very well. You should know by now. So then faith comes by? Faith comes by? Stop there. Don't go to the second part of the sentence, okay? Faith comes by? This is common to everybody, whether you are a believer or not. Why do Muslims have Islamic faith? Because they heard. Why do Hindus have Hindu faith? Because they heard. Why do Buddhists believe in the Buddhist faith? Because they heard. Why does the atheist not believe in any of religion? Because they heard. Why do, why does the evolutionist believe in evolution? Because he 
heard. Faith comes from hearing, period. Any kind of faith. And if you don't believe in anything, that's also because you heard. That you don't have to believe in anything, nothing has meaning. You heard. Faith comes from hearing. Common to every man. Except the one in the mental asylums. Common to every man. What you are listening to is what you will have faith in. The movies, the programs you watch is what your faith will work on. So what is the faith that is coming in? A faith that is coming in is absolutely perverted. The lustful, the obscene, the naked, the foul language, the profanity in the songs and the movies. Your faith is in that. That's why it doesn't shock you anymore. That the abhorrent has become the norm in your mind because your faith comes from what you have heard and seen. It doesn't shock you anymore. The world is going down and down and down and down and down morally. Because that's how everything after the fall is. If it doesn't shock you, it's because of what you're hearing and what you're watching. Your solutions to problems are always violent. Your responses are always violent. It's because of the violence you watch. The amount of violence. That's why the old movies were very nice. They were family oriented with a good core and because it was always made for the whole family to sit together and watch. Today, they expect the whole family to watch because the family itself has become like that. Why are our responses so violent? You look at the violence around the streets of the world. Violence. People being lynched over rumors on WhatsApp. The amount of violence against women. Why? Why is there so much violence about about women? Because an entire system of secular media has made women into objects. And women also swallowed the same media and allowed themselves to be made as objects. And objects don't need love and compassion and protection. They are to be used and to be thrown. If this is a plastic cup, we know what is that for. Use it, dispose it off. And the entire media... The Antichrist world system is objectifying human beings. And God says the church has to stand up against it. Against it. He says, I am not part of this. I will not be conformed to the pattern of the world. I am being conformed by the Holy Spirit. He's restoring that fallen image into the image of his only son. Because I have been redeemed with an invaluable price. I am being redeemed. I am being restored. Understand where our faith comes from. Every movie where millions and millions are made, you will see so many very famous actors. They are are, are actually in their hearts. They are so corrupt. 
you will see thieves breaking into banks, incredible plots, and they finally, they will go away with this whole millions of dollars, and the last frame is them all, some in some island paradise, lying in a hammock and enjoying life after stealing somebody's money. And you keep watching and you watching and watching. And the righteousness of God makes no ethical difference in your life. Because that's what you're seeing. And that's what you're hearing. Faith is there in everybody. There is faith. But what is the source of your faith? That's what God was trying to do with the first generation. Get them out of this junk of Egypt. I redeemed you. Let me clean you up. They refused to be cleaned. God said, you know what? I'm sorry, I brought you in. I'll feed you, clothe you, keep you, and kill you. I can't take you into that place. Because if I take you into that place, this land, you will make it like Egypt. Make it like Egypt. Understand that. So when God actually speaks, we are not able to hear or believe. And all the miracles in our life becomes of no effect. Yeah. After some time, we, we have this entitlement mentality. Oh, I am a child of God. So I am entitled to miracles. Why did you do any miracle for me today? We devalue the supernatural works of God in our lives. We take it for granted as if God is our servant. He's bound to take care of us. You have to go back home and read the entire Psalm 78. It's an unbelievable Psalm of where God speaks. About these generations with whom he did so much and it made no difference. Why? They refuse their minds to be changed by the word. In Psalm 78, let's look at a few. Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea, caused them to pass through. He made the water stand up like a heap. In the daytime also, he led them with the cloud and all the night with the light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness, gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock, caused waters to run down like rivers, But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the most high in the wilderness. They sinned even more. The miracles have no effect on you because their minds are set on junk. And then, and they tested God in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy. They wanted fanciful food. Yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God? Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? You see, whatever miracle he does, they don't mix faith with his word. So here is the people supernaturally being taken care of God. The heart is full of unbelief because they refuse to mix faith. They refuse to believe. Because their minds were filled with the filth of Egypt. In verse 21 and 22 he will say, Therefore the Lord heard this and was furious. And a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they did not 
believe in God and trust in their salvation. You see, they had been redeemed from Egypt by the blood of the Passover lamb. But they refused the restoration work of the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. They refused. They refused that work. And always would manifest in their life. The minute Moses is out of sight, what happens? You have a mini Egypt in the wilderness. Everybody is eating, drinking, and it shows in their clothing too. They are running around half naked or fully naked. No covering. Why? Moses is not there. They refuse to allow God to restore them to that image. Refuse. Did he redeem them? Yes. Would they be restored? No. Because you are not a piece of painting. You are not a house. You are not a car. You are not a bike. You are not a piece of furniture. You are a living being. You cannot be restored unless you cooperate with the restorer. And they refused. And how do you cooperate? By faith. He said, I believe. And I do. And when I do, his power comes. He changes me. I hear, I believe, I do. His power comes and you're being restored. You're being restored. And as you're being restored, your image is changing from glory to glory to glory to glory until you conform to the image of his very begotten son, the firstborn. That's the work he's doing. But that's the work we fight. Oh, we are interested in holiness, but... Half the time we are listening to filth. We want peace. But all we watch is violence. Oh, we say we want righteousness. But we run with the unrighteous crowd. And all that we hear is of no effect. Because there is no faith. So like I said yesterday, God has a person, works on the person. He has a prepared place for that person. The whole earth was there, but he planted a garden in a particular place. And he prepared a person and put him in that place. He had a purpose for that person. He set parameters for that person. But that person needs something. He needs passion for God. Passion for God. God can do all these things for us. But what if we have no passion for God? In Numbers 14, verses 23 to 24, this is what Caleb says. God says, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. He had sworn to Abraham, do you see the stars on the sky, the sand on the earth? Your descendants shall be like that, and you, you sh- they shall possess the land. And as a sign, your descendants will possess the land. Abraham, start walking. You mark out the boundaries for your dissonance. The hundred years this man walked and walked and he walked the land, walked the land, walked the land, believing one day his dissonance would come and receive the land and possess the land because God had sworn it to him, to his son Isaac and to his son Israel. But God says, to whom I swore, I will not give it to them because they rejected me. But among them, my servant Caleb, my servant Caleb, Because he has a different spirit in him, he's passionate about me. 
He's passionate about my word. He's passionate about the promises. He's passionate about following me. He's passionate about obeying me. Him. He has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went and his, his descendants shall inherit it. Just him, it's a different thing. He's a prepared person. And I have a prepared place for him. And he's got a purpose there. Because he's a man of purpose. And he will stay within the parameters I have drawn for him. That's not enough. He's a man of passion for God's own heart. And you will see that purpose and that passion in that man. 40 years later. 43, 44 years later. In Joshua chapter 14 and verse 12. I was 40 years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive as you said these 45 years. 45 years later he is saying, The Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness and now here I am this day 85 years old. What does he say? Yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. My passion hasn't, my strength hasn't come down at all. So now is my strength for war. Both for going out and coming in. Oh, we use this. We don't understand scripture because we don't compare scripture with scripture. I also pray when you say, Pastor, I am traveling, I will say, Lord, you watch over going out and coming in. That's a battle promise. It's a promise over those who are fighting the battles of the living God. He says, you're going out and you're coming in. I will watch over you. Your strength shall be the same all the days of your life. Because you understand the purpose of God. You understand what God has called you. You understand what God is making you. And he says, now therefore, give me this mountain, the Lord. He says, there are mountains yet to be conquered. So what, I am 85. So what if these boys are 40 or 30 or 20? He says, I will go and fight and I will drive them out. Don't think my strength has waned. My passion has gone down. I'm ready for battle. To go out and to come in. You need passion. And if you don't have passion, and God promised Caleb and his dissonance. And you need to realize the spiritual dissonance of Caleb are still possessing their lands and their mountains. They are taking mountain after mountain from the hands of the enemy. These are spiritual truths. Because they are still fighting the battle. And they still go out and they come in in the strength of the Lord. Don't take your life lightly. Don't take your destiny lightly. Because God is always passionate for us. Our question is, are we Do we have faith? Do we mix everything that we hear from God with faith, not with man? What we hear from God, when we read our word, when we hear the messages, when we study the word of God, do we mix it with faith? Because if you don't mix it with faith, it's pointless. It has no effect. Remember the parable of the persistent widow? You know what Jesus said in that parable? Luke 18. The Lord said, hear what the unjust said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. What is he talking about? Let's say all of people are sitting here are elect. And every 
everybody has got problems in their life. And they are crying out to God, Lord I am in debt. Lord, I'm in sickness. Lord, my family is messed up. God says, I hear your cry. The question is, when the Son of Man comes to answer your prayer, is there faith? That's what he's saying. Will he really find faith? He wants to speedily answer you. But he says, when I come to answer your prayer, your prayer and the faith in your heart doesn't match. There's no faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, I cannot receive anything from God. God's grace, abundant grace, grace upon grace is available. But to receive it, I need faith. And he says, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, the power of God can come through it. But he says, I don't find faith. Do I find faith? Will I find faith? So the second part of Romans ten seventeen is faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Because even if you have faith in the world, the techniques of the world, the talents of the world, and you end up as successful in the world, when you die, you will go to an eternal hell. You are not a success, you are a failure. Eternal failure. Success should count on both sides. A lot of people are successful because they know how to do things. They have money, they have influence, they have power, they have talent. It can take you someplace. But even Steve Jobs will leave Apple behind and die. All of them will die. And where do they go when they die? If they were not redeemed. Where do they go? There are only two places in eternity. One where God is and one where God has removed his presence. One is called heaven. New heavens, new earth, new city. The other is called the lake of fire. If you have not been redeemed, where do you go? So you are not successful. You are a failure. So God is looking today. Do you have faith? Do you believe? Do we have faith? That is the purpose of the reading of the word. That is the purpose of the study of the word. That is the purpose, primary purpose of the preaching of the word. When you hear God does not like this, you receive it by faith and say, Lord, there is these things in my life you don't like. I want to change and I am changing and God's power comes. Then you have a crisis in your life and you realize God has a solution for this and this is his solution. You receive it by faith. You start walking in it even though you don't understand it. The power of God comes into your life. The crisis passes. Both sides. It's by faith. And you're being restored. Let's look at one example in the Bible. Just one example for today. Second Kings chapter 4 verses 1 to 7. It's an Old Testament example through which we learn New Testament principles. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that my servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. But when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels, set aside the full ones. She went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her. She poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. And the oil ceased. And she came and told the man of God and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debt and you and your sons live on the rest. 
a real, common, even today, dire situation. And she cries out. Go back to the first verse onwards, okay? Her husband was a righteous man. He was one of the prophets, sons of the prophets, which which uh, Elijah, Elisha, all. You, you need to understand, it's very, very interesting, right? When you look into the Old Testament, they had what we call Bible schools. But they were not called Bible schools, they were called schools for prophets. Meaning the preaching of the word is supposed to be prophetic. Today they come, come from Bible college and all they talk is, I don't know what they talk, off their head. There's no prophetic significance in what they talk because we have changed the model. We have brought it down to earth and we talk about only things that pertain to flesh, not of dying to the flesh and changing our life, looking into the prophetic future. But let's look at this. Her husband was a righteous man, but he was foolish in finances. There are a lot of people like that. Good men, good women, righteous, but terrible when it comes to finances. And now he's gone. The family is in a deadly debt trap. This is the story. In those days, if you can't pay your debt, they come and take your children and sell them. Take them as slaves. Are there any parents who wish that they're those types? I want to sell a few of my children. (laughs) But those days you got a good price for your children because they were trained. To work. So here is the problem. And here is a lady who's got a serious problem in your life. Whatever your problem in your life, put yourself there. Okay? That's why I said one request today. One request. What is your problem? One request. Put yourself in her place. And you go to Elisha, who's the type of Christ over there. The first question that comes from Elisha's mouth is, what shall I do for you? In other words, what do you want me to do for you? You know, this it's a, it's a frequent question from Jesus. Lord, have mercy. What do you want me to do for you? This is a constant thing which we face as pastors. Every place I go, even here, pastor pray over me. Uh, what do you want me to pray for? Anything. Generally pray. What do you want me to do for you? Question is, do you have a vision? Do you have a vision? Because so many children of God live visionless lives. From crisis to crisis. Their entire life is, if any job they would excel is in crisis management. (laughs) Because that's how their life is. From morning to evening, it's crisis management. Because there's no vision. Remember yesterday? Do you remember yesterday? Shall I ask questions? Call up names and ask. Person? Place? Provision? Purpose? Parameters. But the fivefold blessing their destiny. Your destiny, my destiny. Not that we will fulfill it. We have to fulfill it. If you follow God's parameters. What is it? B. Fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, have dominion. 
See? That was her destiny. Her husband's destiny. Her two sons' destiny. Instead, they are being ready to be sold as slaves. Fruitful, multiply and fill are outside. But I cannot have this happen in my life until I subdue and have dominion inside. Until we learn to subdue the powers of darkness. We learn to subdue flesh. We learn to have dominion over this world. The outside is not going to happen. And it is all oriented on faith. How does it orient? Greater is he that is in me. But who is in you? I'm not talking about whether Christ is in you or not. Christ may be in you. But how is your thinking? Does it align with Christ? If it doesn't align with Christ, then what is in you is the thinking of the world and it won't fight the world. It will go with the world. Because God, Jesus talks about the devil. He says his kingdom is not divided. If his kingdom is in your head and you're walking in his kingdom, both will go together. And the word of God will have no effect. No, Jesus is in me. That's not the point. But there are a lot of babies at the back. Can they fight? That's why we may be Pentecostals and Protestants, but we are Catholics in practice. We love infant Jesus. Because Jesus in us is an infant. He won't do anything. Jesus, infant Jesus did nothing. His father and mother had to carry him and run to Egypt. And that is the Egypt Jesus in you. He won't do anything. So that's the question. Do we have faith? Do we have a vision? Christ comes and asks today, what do you want me to do? Because yesterday you wanted to do another thing. Day for yesterday was another thing. Today you are not sure. Tomorrow will be a new one. Where there is no vision, people fail. I'm not having a clear get target that takes time. I'm saying at least a broad outline. I don't know what my house should look like, but at least I know I need three bedrooms. That's what God is saying. You don't need to absolutely have the picture. That takes time. But at least you should know, no? Do you have a broad outline? Do you have a vision? Lord, this is what you want me to do for you. What do you want to do for me, Bartimaeus? I want to see. I want to see. What do you want? I want to be clean. Are you sure? What do you want today? Like today you had a surprise. Only write one request. Even that, many people wrote three, four. Because even then they are not sure what one is, two is, three is. Do we realize our minds, how because of this media, the world we are living in, bombarded by media, our minds have lost the capacity to focus. Yet, this human mind is the greatest computer which no man can ever invent, can replicate. A man is able to replicate. Don't worry about artificial intelligence. It won't work. 
Because this is not artificial. This is, this is divine. The mind of man. Even the artificial intelligence is invented, invented by the mind of man. Which is the invention of God. Imagine this. If our computers could speak, our computers, every time we type, something comes on the screen, I envy your brain, I envy your brain. Instead we will say, wow, my computer, how fast is it? Yet we are not able to focus on a single thing for two minutes. Focus. Like I keep telling you, if you can focus light, this very light, it can cut through steel. We don't need anything. Laser beams can cut through steel. It's simply the same light that is focused. And Jesus was focused. And scripture says, you have that mind. So when God says, what do you want? Do we know what we want? And second question. Tell me what do you have? In your house. Let me ask this question. Second question. Do you know what you have? When you read scripture, ask Lord, show me what you are trying to tell me. Because Lord, this is not my order when I come to you. In my order is not like this. This is what I have. What do you want me to do? We put provision ahead of vision. Therefore, our vision is so small. Realize? We look at ourselves, we look at our lives, we look at our future and say, you know what? I have this much. Lord, what do you want me to do? That's not how God asks. God says, what do you want me to do? And then he says, what do you have? Do you know what we have? Because we invert the question, We actually shorten the arm of God by our unbelief. We'll say with our mouth, is there anything impossible with God? But our hearts, yeah. Most of the things in my life is impossible for you. But that's not because we are looking at God. We are looking at what we have. Because our vision is now connected not with the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't come from faith in the word of God. It is connected with what we have. Because we have put provision before vision. So our vision becomes very, 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 very limited. So we say, Lord, please give me a 15k job to pay off my debts. Lord, 15, I will bargain. 12 also will do. But what are Psalms Two words, eight say. Ask of me, I will give you. Here is a God willing to give nations as your inheritance. You are asking for a 12k job. God says, you see, your vision has come because of your poverty of your mind. Your mind has been expanded. Your vision has been expanded to the possibilities with God. It has shrunk because all you are looking at, what you have. Because we put provision ahead of vision. Jesus never did. Jesus never did. Tens and thousands. He says, hey guys, let's feed them. Lord, what? Feed them? Five loaves, two fish. Feed them? Just give it to me. Just give it to me. 
He's just trying to show them what is possible with God. And look at her response. What is there in your house? Tell me what you have in the house. And she replied, your maidservant has? How do we say? That's how, even if we have 10 rupees in our pocket, we will still say, I have nothing. And women especially, even if the wardrobe is full, they will say, I have nothing. <laughs> See, our statements are contradictory. First is always, I have nothing. I have nothing. Nothing. Problem is, we disdain the little we have. We are not able to see what God is able to do with little. We are only able to see what we are unable to do with little. So there is no faith. Whatever they heard, the gospel was preached to us as it was preached to them, but the gospel was no effect to them and it will be of no effect to us if we don't mix it with faith. It will be of no effect. That's the problem. Everybody, you'll see, lot of people. Oh, your descendants. What's the point? I have no son. Moses, I can't speak. I can't talk. I can't do. I can't talk at all. You know my wife, no? She's the one who invented the zip. Zippora. She zipped my lip. I can't talk. Please don't send me. A leader has to talk. I cannot talk. 40 years I've been walking in silence. I can't talk, Lord. If you had called me 40 years ago, that was my plan for you. You rejected it. I had plenty of provision. Then you said, I don't want it. Now you're calling me. I have nothing. What do you have? Oh, I have a stick. That's enough. That's enough. What do you do with this stick all these years? Just lead sheep. That's all I need. Can lead sheep, my sheep. You're ready. You don't realize the little you have is more than enough for me. With this stick, I will bring my people out of Egypt. Not only that, with this stick, you will lead the people for 40 years. That's enough. Did you see the little you have is enough for God? Every time you read scripture, the book of Judges, they sin, the enemies take over, and they're crying out to God, and God will raise somebody. And one of the judges, Othniel will rise, they have peace. Then Ehud will come. And Ehud, in in their terms, in their times, he's got a disability. What is that? He's left-handed. In a land where everybody uses their right hand, you are left-handed. A left hand is not a strong hand to fight. Maybe I can write with the left hand, but to go to battle with the left hand? But because he believed, God turned his disability into God's ability. Left hand. What is your disability? Because you are looking at your disability and you are counting I have nothing. God says you have something but you think it is nothing. I said I can use that nothing. Scripture says a hood made a small little sword strapped it on the right hand side of his thigh inside and went to see the mob king of Glon. You see 
If you go on through Indian Air India and Indian Airlines, unlike other this thing, after you go through security, before you board the Air India flight, the Air India people also will do pat you down. Because he was left-handed, nobody ever thought his sword was here. Until Saurav Ganguly came in, they didn't realize left-handers could really blast. Because a left-hander's disability became their ability. Because every pace bowler and spinner was right-handed, bowling to right-handed batsmen. Now a left-hander comes and takes his stance in the other way. This fellow has to think, how do I bowl to this fellow? Have you noticed left-handers doing well and left-handed bowlers doing well because right-handed batsmen are used to right-handed bowlers and then this left-hander comes like this. This fellow is totally confused. Now how, what do I do? So your disability became an ability. Do you see? Because the problem is when we say we have faith, our faith is like Moses' faith at 40 in ourselves, either because of our talent or because of our lack of talent. Our faith is not in God. All he asks is, what do you have? What do you have? I want to look at interesting words because we read in Hebrews chapter 4, right? And therefore he swore, because they did not mix faith, they will not enter into my rest. Look at the the coinage in Judges. After Othaniel, the land had rest for 40 years. And then Ehud, next, the land had rest. Moab was subdued and the land had rest for 80 years. And then Deborah, Barak, let your enemies, Deborah's song, perish because, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes into the full strength. So land had rest for 40 years. Why did this land have rest during those times? Because weak people took the little they had and said, Lord, I believe God says my spirit will come upon it and the land shall have rest. Because rest is a result of war. If you are not willing to fight, you will never have rest. And God, we sang that song, the offertory was prophetic. I said, I will fight with you. I'll fight with you. But you have to be willing to fight. If you don't fight, you will never experience rest. Rest is something spiritual. You have to bring faith in and say, Lord, I don't realize. When I look at myself in the mirror, I don't look like a fighter. But your word says, you are training my hands for war. I am a warrior in the image of Christ Jesus. His name is captain of the host. And I'm going to march right behind him. And he will make me into a warrior. So it doesn't matter who I am. Sisera with his 900 iron chariots are all coming after. Barak refuses to go unless Deborah comes. Deborah looks at him and says, you could have won the victory. You would have had the glory. But because you're hiding behind a skirt, a woman will have glory today. And Sisera loses the battle. He's running. He goes into a tent. And a girl, a woman called Jail, covers him with a blanket. He's so tired, he falls asleep. All she takes is a nail and a hammer. And hammers it through his head. The land had rest for 40 years. One woman. One woman. One nail. One hammer. Land had rest for 40 years. Why? Because Jesus said, unless you bind the 
strong man. You cannot free the house. Every time they had rest. Because the strong man was bound. Sisera was the strong man. Threw his head when the hammer and the nail. God said the land will have rest. We are called for spiritual war. Rest is the result of war. And for a war and victory, it is not dependent upon our strength. It is dependent upon our faith. They, everyone born of God shall overcome the world. Why? Because of their faith. Faith. That's the question God has. What do you have? If we don't fight with the little God has given in his power, we will never have rest. If she doesn't act on faith, this lady in Elijah's, sorry, Second uh, Kings chapter 2, Elisha's time, poverty will destroy her and destroy her household and her life, even though her husband was a prophet. Her family and household will be destroyed unless she learns to act on faith and fight the spirit of poverty because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy Our problem is we usually discount what we have. What we are counting out in our life is often what God is counting in. Counting in. I still remember when God called me. He said, what what do you have? The fact is that I had nothing. The only thing I said, Lord, I, I, I don't know, anybody has been used for that. There's one thing I can do. I can read. I can read for hours and days. I can read. What people don't realize is, speaking is a gift. Reading is a discipline. If you don't have the discipline of reading, you will be a lousy speaker. God can give you the gift of speaking, but the question is, Do you have the discipline of reading? Let me tell you. Expectations without preparation will bring just frustration. This is not the work of redemption on the cross was entirely God's work. But the work of restoration, God does it in partnership with man. If I don't do my part, he won't do his part. We are expecting all these things to come as a gift. God says, no. The gift will come if you have done your preparation. That's why listening and reading, last Sunday I said, falls in that one bracket. That is a discipline because when you are reading also, actually you are listening to those printed words. When you are listening to somebody, you are listening. That's what scripture says. Quick to, slow to, It doesn't mean you should not speak. He says, if you learn how to read and listen carefully, when you speak, there will be coherence. There will be substance in it. There will be substance in it. You can listen to people on on YouTube channels. When you listen to people, immediately you will know whether they have substance or not. Whether they are secular, atheistic, what about this thing? You will know whether this guy is read in the Indian parliament when Sashita Road speaks. You know this guy has got substance. When Ravi Zacks preaches, you know this guy not only knows his Bible, he's read through. Read through. That's why he's used in that platform. Because he's read. 
Because you have to contend with those others who have read. So you look at discipline. Because that's what happened to me when God, I couldn't speak for nuts. I was the most fearful person who had no language. I grew up speaking one language, hearing one language in the classroom, speaking another language with my friends and listening to another language in my home. Three languages, jack of three trades, master of none. And I've shared this testimony. What things which my brothers used to tell me is that please don't speak in English in front of us. You embarrass us. No grammar. Sentences were all wonky. But I read. I could read. When God put me, I was telling Pastor Vijay again, I said, you know, it was baptism by fire. He puts me into a classroom to teach Shakespeare to a guy who is nervous and never spoken in public except once. When I stood for elections for my college, when I went class to class canvassing, when I went to one classroom, that class said, if you have to vote for you, you have to speak. My heart sank. Everything sank. I don't know what I said. I don't know whether I said anything sensible, but I won. I think because of sympathy. And then here I am, younger than many of this 20, Eric and all that, young, in a classroom to teach Shakespeare with most of the students older than me. I still remember the nervousness. Lord, I have never taught. Never spoken. I'm in another country. And out of the blue, of all the institutions in this country, the top institution, the previous man was an UN volunteer. Here is science, goes to South Africa. I am the replacement. Rookie. Not even a rookie. Even a rookie has played some shots. This rookie has played no shots. To replace a man like this, in the institution like this, here I am. I worked and I worked and I taught and I taught and I taught. And one afternoon, the most difficult period to teach right after lunch. As pastor's conference, you know. All of them like, I used to teach Shakespeare, Cicero, red-eyed. They all. I mean, you can't even wake these students up because you are a foreign national in another country. These guys are huge like giants, gray hair and all sitting like this. And if you wake them up, say, don't sleep. They will look at you, stare at you like this. Like, who are you? You came yesterday. This is our place. I still remember that was the day, that afternoon, when the gift of teaching came. I just shut the Shakespeare text and I spoke. And it just coming. This I knew was God gifting me. It came. One by one by one by they started waking up and they started looking. From that day, things never were the same. See, the gift God can give, like I said, he can anoint your head. But if your head is full of manure, how is the anointing going to work? Do your part. Do your part. We have a God, incredible God. Do our part. Don't always say, I have nothing. No, you do have something. Don't begin with God, Lord, I have nothing. Say, I am nothing, but I do have something. Because then you would be unfair to have created a human being with nothing. No, you have given everybody something. Then how can you tell the fellow unprofitable servant? No, even he had one talent. That's enough. One talent is enough. If you have two, three, use it. Maximize it. You need faith. 
without faith it is not possible you see you can imitate somebody who has walked by faith you can follow in the same footsteps but you will sink if you don't have his faith peter walked on water everybody who tried after died you need you can try to imitate but you need faith faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of god and what did the prophet say he said go borrow vessels from everywhere go borrow vessels from everywhere I'm telling you stuff listen careful are you in a crisis dead trap or any crisis what about the first one god says go borrow vessels not steal borrow you have no clue how many vessels i have borrowed in life i've read through every preacher in the world i borrow but the oil is mine you can borrow others ideas others principles you look at successful models you pick up borrow their ideas their principles but the oil should be yours but the problem with the foolish virgins is they are trying to buy and borrow oil which you can't you can borrow as many successful people in this world are also successful because they borrowed principles of successful people but in god's kingdom those who are successful are not only they picked up the principles of successful people they had oil they had oil that's what god is talking about go before god you have to hear your personal solution from god because he is a speaking god he is a living god he will tell you according to your situation what you need to do act on it faith your deliverance begins your restoration begins this same word could be in a 15 different ways being received by people because according to their situation what the holy spirit is speaking borrow borrow it doesn't matter oh lord what do i have nothing all i can do is jhadu poncha god says are you good <sighs> yes lord i am good everybody says i clean well they scold me about everything else but they say you leave the room speak and spare will you give that into my hand really you want this yes lord you should trust me and you believe me you hear from me you obey from me obey me in 5 years time 10 years time you will be running a cleaning agency in this city minting millions do you believe me that's how successful entrepreneurs have come little things even yes last week's news guy who sold homemade things is a multimillionaire now we don't see these things everybody wants a blue collar job sitting in the secretary to take bribes Nobody is going to God and say Lord give me ideas. You know the number of successful people potentially successful people sitting here with little things if that little thing was given to God. How many brilliant singers are there in this church? But will you sing? 
Will you practice on it? Hone it? And they just put it on YouTube like that kid from Warangala, Nalgonda, Ravindra, Watapu, 1 million hits, 2 million hits. Why don't you do it? Because you don't believe that little you have can be used by God. Do we believe? Borrow ideas. Borrow talents. Borrow. You look at this church. Ten years ago, what did we have? Nothing. I came with one talent and borrowed. Worship team, all borrowed vessels. Sound team, borrowed vessel. Internet, borrowed vessel. You know what? I can go to sleep at any hour of the time in the day, somewhere or multiple parts of the world, my voice never stops. Never stops. It's being heard 24-7 around the world in different time zones by people I do not know. Why? Because I took one little thing and I said, here you have it, Lord. Why don't you believe? You really want to see? Today, go back home. Those who have Google Maps, take the map of Hyderabad, the actual map of Hyderabad, and type in Grace Tabernacle Church. You will see Jivan Jodi right in the middle of the city. Why do you think he has given us this place in the middle of the city for the 9 o'clock service? It's not becoming about being big. It's about being effective. Put it up on Google and see where we are. Right in the middle of the city. We are not at the other end at Madhapur or at the other end at Chintal or anywhere. We are right in the middle of the city. Why? Because we believed God's got a purpose. And we'll just do what he's telling us to do. And he will do the rest. Borrow! 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 Bring them! Bring them! Bring them! Go! Borrow! May not be yours. Doesn't matter. It's an idea that worked. Yes, it worked. Borrow. The oil, the anointing should be yours. Don't try to do anything without the anointing. The anointing is that what you see. The anointing is what you pursue. The Holy Spirit is whom you try not to grieve. The Holy Spirit is whom you don't try to quench. Ideas you can borrow. Guard the anointing. When the midnight hour, when the door was shut, those who went in, they had guarded their oil. Everybody had vessels. Only five had oil. Guard your anointing. Don't let the devil steal it. Don't let the devil rob it. Even in the church, in the middle of sermons, people play with phones. You think I don't see it? And that's why I'm telling you, young people, try to get a book and a pen, even if you are gadget savvy. Don't bring a gadget because you confuse the others sitting around you. Because the people sitting will be distracted wondering whether you are taking notes or texting your girlfriend. When you are sitting with a book and a pen, nobody misunderstands you. You are not writing a thesis to her. Try, always think about the people sitting around you. Don't create confusion. Because the devil, if he cannot destroy you, he will definitely distract you. He will destroy you through distraction. Go, borrow. In 1 Samuel 22, chapter 1 to 3, he said, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Who is this? David. Who is being pursued by Saul and his army. He escaped to a cave. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. 
did you see first the brothers were all angry at him then they are all quietly coming under him father also father who forgot him on the day of anointing now he is coming quietly everyone was in distress everyone was in debt and everyone who was discontent gathered to him so he became captain over them and they were around how many 400 by the time you come to the next chapter how many are there david went 600 these are the 600 men empty vessels the anointing that was on david was what fill these vessels and if with this 600 men he will establish a kingdom want to look at another picture in first samuel chapter 14 and Saul was sitting in the outskirts of gibea under a pomegranate tree which he was in migron and the people who were with him were about he had 600 empty vessels but he had no oil so with those 600 men all he could do was sit there and shiver because the philistines were around So it's not vessels. It's the oil. It's the oil. David will take those 600 and it will make into an invincible army. In all the days of his life and his son's life, Israel never lost a battle. Borrow as many. That's what he said. Borrow as many. Make no restrictions. I just thank my God, who did, my father, who did not know God, who said, "Read as many books as you want, as many." Not knowing, he was laying a foundation for my destiny. As many, borrow. Remember Elisha dying and King Jehosh. He said, "Take the arrow." So he took them. Then he said, "The king of strike the ground." So he struck them three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him. Said, "You should have struck five or six times." Don't be confused when you are borrowing ideas and skills. Don't worry about the oil. If the oil is from God, and you are connected to God, the oil cannot run out. If you are looking at your provision. Oh, two vessels will do. Son, you go one. You get small ones. Okay, not big ones. Small ones. That's our problem. Do we understand? Have we been structured? Have we been prepared? Can God bring us out of debt? The problem is, if God brings us out of debt, we immediately will take off. And within six months, we'll be back in debt again, because we have no vision. We have no vision. Be very sure you have a vision. What do you want me to do? Whatever God wants to do in our life, there is always provision. And it doesn't matter how little you or I have in our lives; that is enough, more than enough. The sons, two sons, when borrowed every vessel in town, the village they brought. the prophet told her one thing <clears throat> what did he say shut the door behind you second kings chapter 2 what did he say shut when you have come you shall shut the door behind you you have to learn to shut the door behind scoffers skeptics Those who pretend to believe but don't believe, 
shut the door behind them. And God is doing a work in your life. That's the first mistake Joseph made in his life. Brothers, did you know I got two dreams? Dreams? Shall see what shall come out of this dreamer. Shut your mouth. Shut the door behind you. When you share your vision, be sure you are share your vision with those who know what visions are, who have visions themselves. Don't share your vision with visionless people. What they will do, they will take a bucket of cold water and pour it over your zeal. Gone. Shut the door behind you. That's why he told the children of Israel, your first battle, the toughest battle, do you see the walls? Do you see how high the walls are? How strong the walls are? I'm going to teach you something. It will take you seven days to overcome this. Seven days, all you do will walk. Seven days, you will keep your eyes on the ark. In seven days, you will keep your mouth shut. Learn to keep your mouth shut. Because everything that God is pouring into our lives is being lost through our mouth. Shut the door behind. It is lost. Because we hear the word of God. And the minute we step out, we speak of our feelings. Gone. We see it's everybody's experience. The disciples experienced it. It didn't matter how many miracles they saw. Next time, what will we do? Five loaves. After that, seven loaves. Fed 4,000. After that, he just said, beware of the living of the Pharisees. Oh, sitting in a boat. Oh, I think he's scolding us because we didn't bring bread. It's simply not getting in. Of what God is able to do. Every time they open their mouth, what is going out, losing their faith. God says, shut. Learn to shut. Learn to shut. This morning, I want you to learn little by little. To hear from God. Clear. Keep broadening the vision. And I want those who know coding to work on the website. You know, that's our outreach to the world. In 10 years, it took us round to the ends of the world. And now the site is down. And don't sit there doing nothing. Because God is going to move us to the next level with that outreach. The first thing that happened when 10 years were up, the enemy came after that site. You don't sit there lightly, work on it fast. Commit your little into God's hands, whatever little it is. Don't worry about your, your, your weaknesses. Just give it into God's hands. And leave the results into His hands. Just believe and act. One final word. Two sides of faith. Where God looks for faith. Act tough 
on sin in your life. The iron hand constantly battle that because we are prone to sin and act firm on what God says us to do. Otherwise, life will be a waste. Life will be a waste. Lord, if people have faith, they have heard and received faith, they think to do things, but ultimately it will be a waste because they are not fighting the battle with sin. That's the heresy of modern faith preachers. They will focus on faith, 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 but will not take that faith to battle sin. In Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot say, nor is ear heavy, that it cannot hear. If there is anybody who thinks God does not hear you, his ear is not heavy. Heavy means he's sleepy. Ear heavy, the construction in English means your head is heavy, you're falling asleep, so you're not able to hear. God doesn't fall asleep. The God of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. His ear is not heavy. Anybody who is crying out to God, God says, I hear you. And his hand is not shortened. His hand is not shortened. His hand is long enough to reach the furthest part of your life and your problems. But he says the problem is your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you. So he will not hear. This is something which preachers will not speak about. But this is fundamental to God. God says you deal with this. That means you believe. You have faith. You believe. Why? You believe I am a holy God. You believe I am a righteous God. You believe in the judgment that is coming. You believe in the wrath that is coming upon the sons of deceit. You believe. I see you believe. Why? Because I see you repenting. Now that you believe and you have repented, ask me, what do you want me to do for you? That's what you forgot about the widow. Lord, Your servant is? You forgot already what you read. Your servant is? Dead. My husband, your servant is? Dead. And he was a man who? Feared God. He's a man who feared God. Any man who fears God will shun evil. So Lord, hear my prayer. God says, of course I will hear your prayer. Father, your husband made foolish financial decisions. That's a different thing. But it's a man who feared God. Two sides of faith. And this is what I have issues with preachers. They hide this fact of God. Because it is not palatable. The rest all you heard today, you like vision, this thing. And it comes to this. Why? Because I like my sin. It's like our babies when they are growing up. Take a thumb out. No. I love my thumb. Don't. No, I like it. Your teeth will stick out one day. Doesn't matter. It is no nourishment. Doesn't matter. I like my thumb. You give the child anything through the day. When the night comes, you take the thumb out. That's what happens to Christian. When you come to this part, excitement gone. I want faith with sin, please. I want faith with Works of faith and a life of sin. Wow, that was what the first generation was thinking. We are going to the promised land. We'll make it like Egypt. Imagine the parties we are going to have there. And they had a trial run in the wilderness when Moses went up. Let us try it out. We should not forget our dressing code. 
And there were parties. And everybody, that was in their mind. God said, you know what? I cannot hear you. I'll take care of you. Kavo, pilo, solo, maro. Promise land? Why are you feeding me? Because your forefather Abraham was faithful. Why are you keeping me on the throne? Because your father David was faithful. A lot of people are being fed because their forefathers were faithful. That's what is happening to America on the last stages before destruction. Because their forefathers were faithful. His hand is still there on them. God says, remember this. You don't change this. Verse 20, 21, he says, the Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob means Israel, for us, the church, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your dissonance, nor from the mouth of your dissonance, dissonance, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. He says, if you turn from transgression, anybody, he says, then my spirit that is upon you and my word that I have put in your mouth, move from your mouth to your dissonance, to your dissonance, and to your dissonance. Spiritual. He says, I am faithful. I am faithful. But he says, don't ask me for this Without doing this. It won't work. Otherwise what will happen? You will listen to all these. Word of faith preachers. And they prosper. They take your money. And they laugh all the way to the bank. Because they major on faith. And they minor on sin. God says it doesn't work that way. So this morning I want the worship team to come. Come worship team. And we will pray. And that one thing in your heart today. Two things. I'm making one one thing. One thing you need to turn away from. One thing you need from God. Bring it both before God by faith. One thing you need to turn away from. One thing. And you know what it is because I don't know. God will show you. Just ask him, Lord, show me that one thing I need to turn away from. Peter, I'll give you the song. We'll sing that Hindi song. That's the name. Come, shall we rise? Yesu tera naam sabse uncha naam. For those who don't understand Hindi, The name of Jesus is the name above all names. Amen.
Father, this morning we just come to you by faith. Your people before the service, Lord, before the word, wrote that one thing. But after the message, it could have changed for many. By faith we bring that one thing we need to turn away from. And one thing we need from you. For both we need your power, your provision. Your word says, all things are possible with him or her who believes. And with our God, nothing is impossible. I bring that one thing, Lord. It may be a besetting sin. But as we sang, there is no name greater than the name of Jesus. Where sin abounds, your word says, grace abounds. There is no sin stronger than the power of grace to break it. So Father, today in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I command every besetting sin to be broken. In every life here, in Jesus' name. And I pray by faith each one will go home and take that step that corresponds to that confession of faith. She believed Elisha. Therefore, she sent her sons out to borrow the vessels. And I pray everyone who believes today that that sin is broken will also do the corresponding thing that you ask them to get rid of stuff to get rid of computers, to get rid of clothes, get rid of whatever it is you know, Lord, which causes this sin to continue in their lives. Even if it is a person, remove that person from their life. Let that yoke be broken in Jesus' name. And each one, according to their struggle, show them the way out. And that one thing they ask above everything else. That one thing. It could be the salvation of a loved one. It could be the healing for a loved one. It would be a breakthrough in finances. Whatever it is, Lord. There's only one who can do it. It's you. In one day, a widow who was looking at death bondage of her children and a death in poverty. So not only her debts paid off, but also plenty. That's your promise for everyone. The sons and daughters of Abraham, blessed to be a blessing. Not only to be saved, but to have the rewards of salvation flow through us. I pray, Father, this morning, that one thing, whatever it is, that one thing, they will have a clear vision. A clear vision. And it will broaden their vision. And I pray, Lord, we will have a clear vision as a church, what you are asking us to do, starting this 11th year. And broaden our vision. We are not looking at what we have. 
We are looking at what you want done. We believe. Therefore we confess. It will come to pass. I commit families here. Broken families. Maybe represented by just one or two persons. A child with no parents. Brother, a sister. Broken homes. That one thing. One thing. Restore. Restore, Lord. You're a God of restoration. Restore. Restore, Lord. Conform us to the image of your Son. Make us whole. Even those who are married, make them whole in their singleness. And those who are single, make them whole before they get married. Restore. Piece by piece. That is broken down. Restore. We have been redeemed. But I pray Lord. We'll humble ourselves. And offer ourselves. To be restored. Help us not to grieve your spirit Lord. Help us to be cautious and conscious in our inner man for the strivings of the Holy Spirit for our soul. For your word says he envies intensely. For your word says friendship with the world is enmity with God. Help us to see when our soul is being pulled away from you. Give us that spirit of discernment. To see that even in those innocent looking things, the hidden danger, the trap and the bait of Satan. Get to enjoy everything to the fullest that you give us from above. For your word says every perfect and good gift comes from above. The Father, with whom there is no shadow of turning. Every yoke, every bondage, every curse be broken in Jesus' name. In our lives, we lift the name of Jesus. As we sang, we confess once again. The name above all names. Let every area in our life be brought under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. One day at a time. That the kingdom of God comes in us first. Commit the church into thy hands, Lord. Everyone here. As we go into another week, go before us. So much to be done in our lives and through us. We just surrender, Lord, each one. Work in us. Work through us. That Christ may receive that preeminence and that glory and that honor in everything. Now by faith, believing we have been cleansed and sanctified, we lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. 
We bless your holy name. For Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.